Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. We do have notes for you. I do believe we have a typo, so I will bring your attention to that right away. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start from verse 22 through 33. This is 23. So if you would just correct that, that is my bad. Are you ready? Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, key verse, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said in verse 29. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Oh, come on, Jesus. Lord, we stand in awe of your amazing grace. You truly are more than enough. I pray as I preach it would burn faith in the hearts of each and every person that hears, now and in the future. I ask that you would give us living understanding and that you would do all that you want to do in this service, that we would be forever transformed because you stand over your word to see it performed, and that's what you do. You bring us from glory to glory. I pray that every person here struggling with discouragement would be freed. I pray every person here that is battling with doubt would be loosed. I pray that every person here would be transformed into a water-walking disciple. Make us water walkers, oh God. Won't you say that? Make us water walkers, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you. God is going to release his power upon you as I preach to you. How do you know that? Because that's what his word says. Signs follow the preaching of the word. It's wonderful to have Joel and Pam Goodman back. We love you guys. Welcome home. It's good to see Ernest Ibanga in the back there. Ernest, proud of you. This text is so profound, and it's so profound because Jesus walks on the water, but not just Jesus, Peter. And it is one thing when God defies the laws of nature, 
That's amazing. But, you know, he's God. It's quite another thing when you see someone else defy the laws of nature, Peter. I've preached from this text numerous times. I think the first time I heard it preached, um, in fact, I listened to that again. uh, And I, I heard you, Ulu, I heard your voice in the background. I think it was 2007, Dr. Brock. I heard that, I heard that, come on. I heard that in the background. <laughs> and undoubtedly, you'll, there's certain people that just are very vocal, and I'm so glad. Come on, the mortuary is down the street. The church is a place of life. Peter defied the laws of nature. When I first heard this preached by Dr. Morocco, it became a, a really a set message in the house. And so on this Victory Sunday, as I was praying, clearly the Lord showed me, you're going to preach on that text because I have made you to be a water-walking church. And I want you to teach people how to walk on the water. How many of you want to learn how to walk on the water? Now, I'm not talking about surfing. Where's my brother Chris? Good to have him back. I'm not talking about surfing. I'm talking about water-walking. What do you mean? I'm talking about defying the laws of nature. You see, every single person here, all of you, have in your makeup as made in the image of God a desire to see this supernatural, a desire to see God's power manifested, to see the laws of nature broken in God's name for the, for the glory of God. And, and Hollywood's capitalized on that, that, that wow factor in entertainment. The entertainment industry is, is banks on you being fascinated with amazing special effects and all of that. And I, I love special effects and I, I love video and action movies, you know, that are not defiling. Amen. But the greatest thing is when God uses a donkey like the likes of us to heal the sick, set the captives free, to open blind eyes, to open deaf ears. And these things happen here and even today. If you've come in need of a miracle, need of a healing, you've come to the right place. Peter defies the laws of nature and is the only one that we know of. Now, I, I actually did a little bit of a Google search where it's hard to tell, you know, what, what Google is directing you at, but you've got to be mindful of that now. I tried to look up how many people actually walked on water. I, I saw uh, on an Insta story some dog running across a pool. I, I've seen some different things about people walking on the water. The point is, that the only one in all of Scripture that we know of that walked on the water is Jesus and Peter. And this text is, uh, the text challenges me. It's, it inspires me because I want to walk on the water. And as I was saying to the Lord, I want to walk on the water, Lord. He he's clearly spoke to me and said, you are, but be careful. I'm like, oh. How many of you know when God tells you to be careful, you ought to pay attention? Because Peter walked on the water temporarily. Then he began to sink. So we're going to look at this text, this story of Jesus here walking on the waters told in all three gospels, but it's only here in Matthew that we read that Peter is the one that walked on the water. He said, well, why is that? Well, Luke wasn't there. And Mark, how many of you know Mark is, Mark is Peter's amanuasis. Mark wrote the stories of Peter. So I think maybe it's not in Mark's because maybe Peter 
didn't want to brag on himself. And by the way, that's the time when I got out of the water and I walked. I walked, I got out of the boat and I walked on the water. I, it's just not in Mark. I mean, it's not told like this. The story of Jesus walking on the water, but Peter walking on the water. Why, why is it in Matthew? Matthew was there and I think he was so freaked out by it that it just, he, he just writes it out and, and, and tells us. It so impacted him. Jesus has fed the 5,000, and in order to prevent the people from, the crowds from making him king, he sends both the disciples and the people away while he goes to pray. And if you look in the life of Christ, let me just say this as a, as a, uh, a simple theological statement, you, you can't get apart from Jesus connected to the Father. Anything the Father did, he did. Some say that if you study his life and look at time frames, that he very possibly spent six hours in prayer every day. So it's not on why it was yet dark. Jesus went away to solitary places and prayed. I don't know why the church in America thinks they can have a 15-minute prayer over there throughout the day. Average time of pastors praying is 15 minutes. And that actually through that, we're going to transform our country. You're not going to transform our country with a 15-minute prayer, although... I don't think it took 15 minutes to raise someone from the dead, but there is a lifestyle of prayer that you'll see in Jesus. And how many of you know if you're going to be a water walker, you better have a lifestyle of prayer. And so Jesus goes away as he did and prays by himself. So you get the picture. The disciples are sent out on the sea, and they're buffeted, the text says. Uh, And in in the New King James, or the King James says, the wind was contrary or adversarial wind towards them, not going their direction. And uh, it's between 3 and 6 in the morning, and Jesus comes walking on the water. It's the fourth watch of the night. And let me also say that in the fourth watch of the night, for those of you that are into studying God's Word, and I pray and that would to God that you would be a student of God's Word, because if you'll study His Word, it'll change you. Come on, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if you learn the Word and you go deep in the Word, you say, well, I've already read the Bible. Read it again. Read it again. I was ministering to a man in the mental hospital. He said, oh, what, you know, what book is that? I said, it's the Bible. He said, oh, I've read that. I was like, I think you should probably read it again. It's a, it's a book you read for a whole lifetime. No matter, even Paul, when he was on his last days, he said, bring the scrolls to me. He knows he's going to die, and he's asking for the scrolls so he can study. Study is a lifetime joy. And so the fourth watch of the night, you'll see many miracles take place in the fourth watch of the night. And for those of you that see yourselves as intercessors, and maybe you don't know that you are one, all of us are called to intercession, but many times the Lord will wake up people to pray between three and six. If you find yourself being awakened in the night between three and six, between three and six. Hey, renew your mind. What's going on around here? It's most likely you're being called to prayer. Let's move on. Hurry up. So it's in this context that, that, that Peter, you know, they're in the boat. There's wind. There's waves. And they look, and it's all, it's Jesus. And they think it's a ghost. I'm going to ghost. There are demon spirits. How many of you know that? Somebody said, well, can you talk about ghosts? Not, not today. I'm just tell you, there's there's demon spirits that will even show up as one of your family members. And they will try to torment you to get you into a place uh, that's out of accord with God's word and to get you in sin and to hook you and to take you to places God's never intended. You don't pray to the dead. Let me just say that. 
and they're dead, that's it. You talk to God, I have a son in heaven, and I say to Jesus, would you give him a hug for me? He's like, sure. I'm like, thanks. I don't talk to my son. Once they're past, they're past. The good news is if they're in heaven, you get to see them later if you're born again and continue in the faith. Can you say yes? So that's the context. How is it that Peter got to walk on the water? And in looking at this very simple text, we're going to find out how we can learn to be water-walking disciples, how we can be a water-walking church. I am a water walker. I want you to say that. Make an affirmation and say, I am a water walker. What do you mean by that? I mean when God calls me and speaks to me and tells me something, then it's going to come to pass whether it's against gravity or against the natural laws. And if you've had people that, if you have a word from the Lord and you go to obey and you've had people that tell you you can't, don't be shocked by that. Somebody said, well, I feel like the Lord told me I can fly. Then he gave me that song, I believe I can fly. Well, you can't, okay? You can't fly. You will fly away at the twinkling of an eye when that day comes. I do not try jumping off a roof. There have actually been people that have drowned themselves trying to walk on the water. I can't swim, but I'm going to believe foolishness. How Peter got to walk on the water and we can learn something that will enable us to do the same thing. I want you to look at verse 26. We're going to take this verse by verse by verse. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They did what they saw him walking on the lake. What's interesting to me is they were terrified, except Peter's the one that got out of the boat. They saw Jesus. If, if you look through Scripture, you'll find that people, when they had a perception about something of God that wasn't true, many times they had fear. If you see the story in the book of Kings uh, about Elijah and his servant, they're there in a city called Dothan, and I've preached on it. It's the key text in King's Cathedral and chapels around the world. They're in a city called Dothan, and this king is so irritated because the prophet tells the army of God where the enemy is going to attack. And the king of, uh, of, that, of those opposing cities of, of God's people was so mad that they thought he had a thought he had a spy. There must be somebody telling, and they said, no, there's no spy, there's a prophet. And he hears what you're saying in your bedroom. So then they get a spirit of stupid because they, they, they want to know where the prophet is so they can attack him. How stupid is that? So they go to attack him, and the servant of Elisha wakes up to make a beautiful cup of French roast. He gets up early, heavy cream. It doesn't say that I'm reading to it, but he gets up early and does whatever servants of prophets do early before the prophet gets up. And I think he's making tea or something. So anyway, he sees the army surrounded them. He wakes up the man of God and says, we're doomed, bro. It's all over. And he says, oh, you just can't see. Let me pray for you. Lord, open his, open his eyes. 
Because what you see, the vision you have, will determine whether you walk in fear or whether you walk in faith. And if you don't have clear vision of who Jesus is, if you don't have a clear vision of who Jesus is, you will never get out of the boat. You will never walk on the water. You must have a clear vision of the hour in which we live. We live in an hour that is, is not like any other in all of human history. There is more people. There's a, the population is greater than ever before. And God is doing things in the earth to a degree that nobody has ever seen before. More people are coming to Christ. No, I thought, I thought Islam was growing more than Christianity. Then, yeah, that's, that's like the, the, the insane fake news. You know, we've just gone through the season of Ramadan. How many of you know that? Uh, and that's not something we celebrate, but it is celebrated by uh, many, or should I say, um, uh, honored by many. They fast for a whole period of time called Ramadan, and they ask for revelation. Do you know what's happening? Now, this is not on the news, but you can, you can hear these stories, and some of them are on the internet before they get scrubbed. There is a man that shows up. First of all, Muslims, if you have some Muslim friends, pray that God gives them dreams. Why? Because it was dreams that started that false religion to begin with. Did I say that? Oh, yes, I did. You, you afraid to get in trouble? No, I've been in trouble. I'm already in trouble. It doesn't matter. God's happy. It's okay. He's in a good mood. I'm on his side. He's not on my side. I'm on his. I'm going to stay that way. And these Muslims are having dreams of a man appearing to them in white and gives them scriptures and tells them Jesus is appearing in dreams to, to people of the, of the Muslim religion. And they're coming to Christ. They're given instructions. They're, I mean, all kinds of stories. I mean, amazing stories. One of my favorite stories uh, comes from Vietnam. We have a number of churches in Vietnam. In fact, they grow so quick, it's hard to keep count. And there was a man, and I, I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was a Muslim man. He, was, he certainly wasn't saved, but he died. He died, and he came back to life. But before that, the Lord spoke to him and said, Get up and go to this particular village and find a man by the name of Moses. He got up. Everybody was freaked out. He said, I've got to go. He walked off in his grave clothes and walked to this particular village. Now, what most of you don't know, but I'll tell you now, our pastor, our, he's really an apostolic leader. His name is Moses. He's, I'm not talking about something I read in a book. This is our church in Vietnam. He told the story here. And he's there. And a man shows up, I need to find Moses. Can you imagine that? Where's Moses? Uh, I'm Moses. I was dead. I met a man who told me to come find you. He said, oh, you need to be born again. He led him to Christ. He got saved. And he'd become one of our pastors, I guess. It's something like a crazy story. Now, I might not have all the facts right, but it's close. You must have a clear picture, a clear vision of what God is doing in the earth. There was a, the first great awakening took place in the 1700s. And, there, and, and then the second great awakening took place. Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Edwards, and let, let, me, let me give this to you quickly here. In the first great awakening, 1700, Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, 1700s. It, it ended uh, sometime during the 1740s. 1741, this is before our nation became a nation. There were the colonies. 
So in 1741, he preached a message called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Anybody ever heard of that? That was a, the villages all around there had gotten saved. Revival had come all around there, but this one bastion of rebellion, you can go read the story, and they never figured anything would happen there. Then they went there, and he preached, and people were holding on to pews and columns. I think you can go see it today, and there's fingernail marks in the pews. Can you imagine preaching? So I don't believe in hellfire. You better read your Bible. It's not always preached that way. Somebody said, are you a hellfire church? Absolutely. Yes, there is hell. There is fire. There is heaven. You need to choose. You need to be born again. That was the first great awakening. Then there was a, there was a second great awakening that took place. What I believe, and there's whisperings and stirrings of it even now. What I believe is that we're on the edge of another great awakening. And I'm going to tell you, you know what America needs? It ain't going to come from the Republicans. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not coming from the Democrats. It's not coming from the Independent. It ain't going to come from the White House. Unless you would think of heaven as a White House. It might be a house of white up in heaven. No, it's going to come from the church house. It's going to come from people who have a vision to do something for God. A people who have a vision of a God who still raises the dead. A people who have a vision of Jesus who still heals the sick and set the captives free. Do you have to get excited about it? Yeah. I, listen, you're here. I'm the, I'm the senior guy here under Dr. Morocco, our, our senior global leader. God has done so many miracles for me. Somebody said, can you just calm down? I can't. What he set me free from, I got to, if you won a million, if you won the lotto, 15 million, or whatever, I don't know, $45 million. You want it, come on again. I don't even know these people that win these incredible sums of money. So if I, won, if I won that and I told you, yeah, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. Oh, what's going on? Anything new? Yeah, yeah. What? I, I won the lotto. Are you happy about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overjoyed. You're lying. No, somebody that wins the lotto is like, I won the lotto. Everybody's like pretty happy about it. I went to my, my daughter's graduation at university and I, I saw her I saw her graduate and I was I was the, the Lord led me right where to sit. I mean I got to sit like, you know, from me to Vic is how far away it was for her away. She's I got to stare at her the whole time. And they're like, Hannah Bracken. I'm like, Yes! Yes! Ah! I mean, I made a scene. Why? I was happy. I was happy. My daughter graduated from university. I was happy about it. God, I want to tell you something. When you have a vision of Jesus, it'll stir something in you. When he sets you free, when he does miracles for you, when you have a vision for God, you just might get out of the boat and become a water walker. Let's move on to number two. Perfect. Passion. See, when you see him and you know who he is, it's going to produce in you passion. I read some report, I don't know, it was Barna or what was in Fox News. This is probably fake news also, but 
they were doing a they were doing a report on why the church is not growing. I don't, I don't, I don't know what church they're talking about. It's certainly not this one. The church is growing, but they, they did say something I totally agree with. This church expert said that the church is not growing because of a lack of authenticity. Now, I do believe that that's true. It's like the lotto winner. Yeah. See, he, if he did win, he doesn't know that he won or he's partially, you know, he's in need of healing. Yeah. Authenticity. One thing you can say about this house and all the leaders of this house and who we are. Oh, we don't have our act together. By the way, if you look for the perfect church, don't go because you're going to probably ruin it. <laughs> One thing you can say about this place is it's authentic yeah. and it's real. This is not some fabricated show that we do. Pull out canned messages. This is my 35th message of the year from my 52 that I get from deadpreaching.com. Give me a break. No. Passion. Everybody say passion. If you don't have a passion that wakes you up in the morning to do something, then he had a passion to get close to Jesus. You have to have a passion to get close to him. And I think he had a passion to do what Jesus is doing. So I, listen, if, if somebody's got to twist your arm to get discipled, I'm all through with arm-twisting discipleship. I ran myself into the ground years ago trying to plead with people. I felt like Moses. No, really, God's good. Just come. He'll help you. I, I'll do that from the pulpit. But I, I don't, you know, we have a team of people that goes out and call a connect department, and we witness and do all of that. But I'm just going to tell you, if you have to have somebody that twists your arm to get to church, there's something wrong with you. Say, but like church, there's so many hypocrites. I know, where else are you supposed to have hypocrites go so they can get delivered? So I've been hurt by church. You're going to get hurt here. It won't be on purpose. If I can quote my beloved brother, uh, Toby, charge it to our head and not our heart. Sometimes we do things that aren't so bright, you know and uh, opportunity to forgive. And we're not gonna, I told somebody, I will never hurt you. And I thought, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> somebody hurting you on purpose, you wanna get away from that place. That's not healthy. He had a passion to get near Jesus. He had a passion to do what Jesus is doing. He heard Jesus say, come. This is so good. Water walking disciples hear the voice of the Lord. Water walkers know God's word. The Lord said, come. If you're going to be a water walker, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to hear his voice. And it's not just hearing and reading his word. There's a lot of theologians that read and study the word and will know the word better than any of us all put together. But it doesn't bring a... Listen, theological, watch this, pay close attention, bump your neighbor and say, listen. Theological truth and revelation is to transform you to become more like Christ. It's not so you can wow somebody on your feed. I'm going over here. You're like, what's a feed? It's not, like, it's not so you can wow somebody in your, in your tweet. It's not so you can just, so somebody can see what you said and be like, whoa, they must be deep. Some of you have gone so deep you drowned. Theological truth is to bring you into an encounter with God to release passion and vision. You got to hear God's word. 
Not, okay, you heard them in the 70s. Praise God. It's 2021. What's he saying today? I've had people tell me they're uncomfortable with it, but if you get into the inner circles of the discipleship here, and you're around me, you will hear me frequently say, what is the Lord saying? What's the word of the Lord? It's not some cute little theological patty cake for Jesus, and I'm just trying to say, you know, what's the word of the Lord? So I could just say it. Because God's people hear his voice, and he talks, he's talking all the time. He's telling you something today through these lips of clay, and he'll speak to you tomorrow morning, and he'll correct you. Those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of. That's a theological thing that comes from Hebrews. Those whom the Lord loves, he corrects or chastises. Is that right? Okay. Somebody said, you said hell. Yes, if you have any hell in you, it'd be good if Jesus got it out. Amen? He heard the Lord say, come. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to us? He took action. Oh, there, that separates the, the men from the boys, the women from the girls. He took action. You know, your actions mean something. When God speaks to you, you have a choice to obey or not obey. And it can be, it can be somewhat scary at times when he tells you to get out of a boat. We've gotten out of the boat long ago. We got out of the boat long ago. You know, many, many, many years ago, our church in Maui, it wasn't 300, almost 350 extensions now. It wasn't the way that it is now. We had just a few. The vision was intact, but we didn't know it was going to be global. We now have a global vision. Then it was the Pacific Rim. And uh, it wasn't even the Pacific Rim. It was just Hawaii. And I think the year, I'd have to ask Delyn, she would tell me, I don't, she might be online right now, but um, the year is in the 80s, mid-80s. Uh, we went to purchase a, what's called the Maui Skate Palace. It was an impossible purchase for us. It was way beyond anything we could afford as a church, but God gave a word. And they were in a service not unlike this one, and it was a time for, for sowing and believing God for the new building, just like we're about to do here in a moment. And this precious lady came from the back. This is one of the best friends of Delyn, or still is, Delyn Valdez. She came to the front. She had something in her hand, and she got Dr. Morocco's attention. She came to the front, and she said, I have to give this. And she opened up her hand, and it was something that her father had given her, and it was a gold nugget that her father had, I think, had mined out of Alaska, and she was from Alaska. It was a prophetic act. And when she gave that, that's all she had. She gave it. It was the most precious thing. It was the widow's might, if you could say it that way. And it released a wave of generosity through the whole place. People started giving away cars and motorcycles. Come on, in the, in the, in the book of Acts, you'll see there was such generosity that nobody had any needs and it released this wave of giving that allowed us to, to purchase that, build, to move forward into that building. If we hadn't done that, then we wouldn't have been able to do the next thing. We wouldn't have been able to do the next thing. I wouldn't have been saved, perhaps, and we certainly wouldn't be standing here together in a church that shouldn't even exist in Alaska where the nugget originally came from. That's an amazing thing. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. She took action. She released what she could. 
I've been doing that. My wife and I have been doing that. I know many of you have. And that's why you see a building that bankers laughed at us. That's why you see it sitting there. And we're on the final run. And don't you think the warfare is thick and deep? It is. But God has called us to it. He called us out of the boat. Somebody said to me, how are you guys building that church over there? I said, uh, hmm. Somebody said, that's impossible. You can't do that. I thought, you're right. I can't. But God can. God's just looking for somebody. Peter had to get out of the boat. Listen, if God speaks to you and you obey, you'll walk on the water. So it's a little scary. It, it is. And you look at the next point. Keep in, you, to keep walking on the water, you've got to focus on Jesus, not on the circumstances. Somebody said, I'm going to focus on Jesus. Come on, say, I'm going to focus on Jesus and not on the circumstance. Try it again. I'm going to focus on Jesus and not on the if you look at all the wind and the waves, you will never do anything great for God. There's always circumstances. And then when you get through, there's a, they come in a different wrapper. And, a, and it's just like, man, relentless enemy. And I think it's like that because of a lot of reasons. I think the enemy's nervous about the victory you're going to bring should you be a water walker. You, what, what will happen in your life, what will happen in your, in your family, what will happen if you overcome the circumstances and hear God's word to say, come and obey, the results of that are so profound. So when the devil's nervous, he hits you with the kitchen sink. I think I got hit with three or four kitchen sinks just recently. Anybody else? <laughs> We're not trying to give him publicity. I'm just saying that's how it, that's how it happens. The enemy... Wants to do everything he can to divide and conquer. He wants to do everything he can to get you discouraged. Once you do everything, you get out there on the water. Ah, he looked away. For, come on, fix your, fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of worth will go strangely dim. Free and grace. The old hymn says it right. Some of you are looking at all the wind and the waves and you wonder why you've lost your joy. The wind will blow, but the mountain cannot bow to it. <laughs> I got that from Mulan about 20 years ago. No matter how the wind howls and blows, the mountain cannot bow. <laughs> okay. That's so good. Come on, let's have a praise break. Ah! Did he just reference the Mulan? Yes, it's, it's not a scripturally inaccurate movie, but I like that picture because when God speaks to you, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You'll move through. He'll shut the wind up. He'll silence, he'll silence the wind. He'll stop the waves. And you'll be a water walker. God's calling us to be water walkers. Let's, let's get into this simple application. Worship team, please. Will you get out of the boat and walk on the water? Will you or won't you? Well, you don't know, understand. Now, listen, this is between you and Jesus, but my job is to encourage you, challenge you, fire you up, 
preached a word to you. Listen, nations aren't changed by limp-wristed, spineless, passionless, visionless people. There are people who have a vision for evil and for destroying our country. I have a, a vision, along with many others, to see this church planted all over the world to reach as many people as we possibly can. There is a great harvest that we are involved in is why we're doing our building. Our building's a tool. It requires resources. It requires leaders. It requires laborers. And if you look at the wind and the waves and you'll never do anything. Ecclesiastes talks about that. Gyra. I want that one. Thanks. Ecclesiastes says, you'll never sow if you look at the wind and the waves. Oh, there's hyperinflation going on right now. Price of gas. Whatever. I'm a part of another economy. I said, I'm a part of another economy. I am connected to the one who made the wind and who made the waves. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. He'll always help me, always fill me. He'll always take me by the hand. Jehovah Jireh provide will you get out of the boat Peter could have said nah, blah, blah, blah. I'm not listening Peter could have put his finger in his ears like some of you might be doing right now because you know I'm moving towards receiving an offering that we need for our building listen don't be offended don't be offended and again if you're just totally freaked out come two or three more times we don't do this every Sunday. We take tithes. We do our building offering every Sunday morning. I'm encouraging you to get out of the boat. What we do affects many. Write in your notes. What we do affects many. Uh, you're part of this house. It's no secret that, that I have these times at the gym. I train and um, I weight train and exercise. is something I've done to put my flesh under for years. So I've been weightlifting for... I don't know, I've been weightlifting for 30 years. Sometimes taking a year off, sometimes six months, but mostly, mostly consistent, very consistent over the past 15. And I have a routine. I've, I've, I've offended people at the gym because I'm not there to talk. It's not a social thing for me. I'm looking down, I'm training hard, and when I'm done, and I make a little bit of a scene so I couldn't go to that purple gym. They kind of didn't want me there. I, 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 you know, I, I squeak, make some noises occasionally, and you're not allowed to do that over there, and I respect that. That's fine. It's not the gym for me. I go to that other gym. And uh, when I'm there, I have a, I have a routine. Uh, when I get into the thick of it, in other words, like I'm, I'm at my end. I'm nauseous. I'm breathing hard. I've got three or four different sets to go and I'm about to push something I can't do just casually I can just pick this up right now and take a sip of it which I'm going to do right now why don't you have a praise break okay if I'm going to go pick up something that's really heavy really heavy that's like okay <clears throat> let's go alright here we go I gotta watch out I don't split my pants I'm going to pick up something heavy you know I mean you gotta, gotta get your head in it you got to get a good grip on that thing. It's just, just like, oh, I can lift that. That's not how I was, that's not how I train. So when I do that, I get in those modes right before I grab the weight. I talk to myself. 
And I got my headphones in and I go, ah, come on. Ranakaha. Five, four, three, two. And I grab those things. Five, four, three, two, one. And I, and I move that way. It was about four weeks ago. I was on the floor. I was by myself. I didn't even know there was that many people that were in there that were listening because I don't really care. Later on in the sauna, I mean, I'm beat down. I'm, I'm worked. It was one of the finest, hardest workouts I've had in a long time. I'm in there, and this other guy comes in that I noticed on the floor, and uh, he's a monster. And he says, way to train. I'm like, yeah, man, you too. He says, man, I ain't going to lie. I said, okay. How many of you know liars go to hell? He said, I ain't going to lie. You know, you, you were counting? You know when you count? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, you, you were counting for me, man. I got in there. I got in that thing. I had a great workout. You motivated me. I thought, let's go. Do you know when you get out of the boat, when you, when you say yes, in the midst of impossibilities, in the midst of when a banker said you can't do it, when you say yes because God says yes, and you step out of the boat, and you do your part, do you know who's watching? Can I tell you how many pastors have told me, how many leaders have said, man, way to go, way to build that thing. We go, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if it wasn't for, wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Wally, if it wasn't for a church, if it wasn't for a people, we don't need a cheer, we don't need cheerleaders. We need people that'll get out of the boat. That's a quote from the original message of Dr. Morocco in 2005. We don't need a bunch of cheerleaders. We need people to get out of the boat and understand that when you get out of the boat, you'll have other people that you affect. There it is right there. Get out of the boat because you'll affect a whole, we are affecting a whole community and it is my intention to affect the entire state. It's not only my intention, God's intention, should I say, to infect the entire state. We're going to infect affect the nation. Maybe we should call it infect. Infect the nation. Minister David, stand on your feet. Minister David, along with a team of people, we will open an anchorage. We're going to open an anchorage. We're going to do it. Why? Because anchorage needs a church like ours that doesn't close no matter what kind of mandate comes its way. Not going to do it. It's just not made up like that going to open up in, in Fairbanks by the grace of God one of these days. This one's closer. <laughs> I have a young man on my staff. Stand up on your feet, Texas. Well, Take your hat off in the presence of the Lord. There we go. Joshua came on our staff a little bit over a year ago. Come here, son. A little over a year ago, came on the media team, but we knew we knew it was for more than that and took crazy steps of faith and has served valiantly. Everything he has has Texas on it. Where's your phone? Right. Got a Texas flag on his phone. That's smaller state. But we're going to have mercy on Texas. You are? Yes. We're going to build a great church in Texas. We already have buildings so Joshua here in about 90 days is going to head down there. He's in the final stages of, where's your wife? Your wife here somewhere? All right. Would you begin to pray? Would you begin to pray? Why? Because you're getting out of the boat. Don't look at the wind and the waves. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, we're going to change the world. 
Lastly, according to your faith, may it be done unto you. May it be done unto you. According to your faith. I do not like that scripture because it puts personal verse. Somebody said, man, you guys are so lucky. What? No, it's the grace of God. By his mercies, we're not consumed. And he dropped some measure of faith in our heart to do what we're doing. And as you're faithful with what God called you to do, he'll give you more to do it. His reward for well done, for a good job well done is more work. And it, you ought to be thankful you're a part of a church like this that gives you a shove and tells you to get out of your, get out of the boat. You ought to be thankful. Why? Because you'll stand before the, the king of kings on that day to give an account for how you've been a steward, what you've done with your time. Well, I, I don't feel like singing today. It's not even your gift. He gave it to you. <laughs> we did everything according to feelings. We'd be back. We wouldn't even hey, be in the barn. We, we wouldn't exist. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.